Hi, Explorers. Thanks for listening to Kids Who Explore Parent Edition. Come along with us as we cover all corners of raising kids in the outdoors. I'm Adriana Scori, a Canadian Rockies hiking, adventure, and travel mom to my two-year-old Turner and newborn baby Nash, and founder and CEO of Kids Who Explore. I'm Lauren Rodick Everly, mama to Collins and Deacon. We love exploring between our two homes in Alberta, Canada and Washington State, USA. Today's podcast is sponsored by Kids Who Explore's Patch for a Purpose. Every time we see our patch out in the world, we feel the love and support behind it. Our patches can be sewn onto backpacks, jackets, bags, or even baby carriers, to name a few. Or they can be carried in your packs as special adventure items for all your little explorers. Our patch comes in eight different colors, and a dollar from each patch goes to a, you guessed it, purpose. Your support can make a difference for all of the following charity groups, depending on which color patch you want to represent. Alberta Parks, Children's Disability, BIPOC and Anti-Racism, Sick Children, The Earth, Children's Wellbeing, Anti-Bullying, and Children's Mental Health. Check out the hashtag Patch for a Purpose to see our patch and the community behind it. That's hashtag Patch, the number four, a purpose. To get your patch today, visit www.kidswhoexplore.ca. We thank you in advance for the difference you are making. Alyssa is wife to Tobin. She is a wetland biologist and mama to two boys aged five and a half years and three months. Before having kids, she worked as a wildlife biologist specializing in birds and then an environmental educator. She grew up competitively horseback riding and now works part-time as a riding instructor and farm and nature teacher for her children. Alyssa and her family live on a farm or small suburban farm with chickens, horses, a large garden, berry patch, and fruit orchard. They love to travel, mountain bike, ski, rock climb, hike, bike pack and camp as a family. Alyssa, thanks so much for coming on today. Hi, thanks for having me. So I've never asked you this before. Did you grow up on land or did you start your small suburban farm with your husband and children? Um, I grew up with horses and um, my mom was very into gardening. I have lots of fond memories of her um, raising tomatoes and um, cosmos. She always had lots of cosmo flowers. That's like something I think of her about. Um, and we actually now live on the property where we kept our horses when I was a kid. We lived down the street and this was our barn property. And that's where my husband and I live now. One thing we wanted to specifically dig into today was more about gardening with children and how others can incorporate that into their life. And where exactly do you start with gardening? Um, you can start anywhere. The beauty of gardening is that there's no one right way to do it, especially when kids are involved. Um, you kind of just throw things at the wall and see what works. Um, one of the main benefits I find with gardening is that it's a really easy way for your kids to learn how to fail with really low like effort or with no big stakes, right? If they fail while gardening, great. It was still fun. Um, and I find gardening for, for adults is like that too, that it's like some things work and some things don't and you try it and then you try something different the next time. Um, but you can try container gardening. If you have a small space, that's super kid friendly, right? Cause it's small pots that they can fill on their own, that they can choose things for. Um, you can build out from there. You can do an in-ground garden. If you don't have a lot of land yourself, you can look for community gardens. There's, the scale of gardening can be very small or very large. It's just what works for your family. 
I love how many families can be included in gardening and like, what are some of the things that you would plant with your kids in the little planters? Um, so for our children, I aim to plant things that are large seed size. So things they can easily grab with their fingers. Um, snap peas do well in a container garden and are fun to like watch grow up onto something. Um, a couple years ago when my older son was maybe two, I had him do like a tent of little peas so that he could like walk inside. Um, so those are like a lot of bang for your buck. Sunflowers are a good one. Beans, just things that little hands can easily manipulate and that are pretty easy to grow. They're like the harder ones to mess up. Um, and then now that he's older, we let him pick based on what he wants to eat. So he'll pick carrots or he'll pick kale. He loves to eat kale just like right off the plant in the garden. I don't know. Won't really eat it on his plate, but we'll eat it in the garden. Okay. So I love how you say there's no one right way to garden. Last summer, I was telling a friend how I wanted to one day in the future get into gardening, but I'm just not in one place long enough to do it. And she said, but there's so many things that you can just do for a short period of time and just see how it goes. So I ended up doing some green beans and like just small things with Collins, but I thought it was so fun to just, like you said, there's not one right way. We just planted them even kind of sporadically, not even in a perfect row. And then I just love that we were getting out watering and weeding and all the things that go along with it. So you also say it's a lot about trial and error. What, what do you kind of, can you kind of just add on to that a little bit? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different techniques for gardening, right? As far as what type of compost and when you want to apply it and different plants require different things. And sure, you can like do a lot of research and find that out. Or you can learn that, hey, my tomatoes need a sunnier spot because last year they all died. Like that is just how you learn through gardening too, um, especially on the micro scale with kids where it's like they stuck their finger really far down and then put the carrot seed in and the carrot never came up. It's like next year we need to try like, oh, we do a little sprinkle of seeds instead of burying them. Um, so it's just lots of little adjustments always to try and make things work a little bit better, which is parenting like anyways. <laughs> Yeah, it's all trial and error. So you do share some fun tips about how tomatoes go out after Mother's Day. Do mm -hmm. you want to share any other guides and like anything you follow for different types of plants? Yeah, sure. So it will be really dependent on your growing zone. Um, where we are in Seattle and we're in, you know, a specific gro growing zone, we're in zone eight, and that will determine your frost dates, when you can put out certain plants, what plants are going to do well. More like my tips are like what works well with kids. So like, I love having like a spray bottle in the garden instead of like using the hose so that your kid doesn't drown your plants. Um, or you can have like a big tub of water and have them dunk their little watering can into the tub and refill on their own. But then they're still watering with like a small size watering can. Things like that, that make it easier to encourage your children to be in the garden with you without mm, wrecking things along the way as they go. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We love, we love tomatoes. That's always a big hit with um, the kids, I've really enjoyed having raised beds, especially last year when I was really pregnant during the garden season that I didn't have to bend over. Um, and now um, with my new little guy that when you have him in a carrier, it's pretty hard to bend over with a carrier. I really enjoy having that raised bed um, for that. And my youngest or my oldest can just 
it's like waist high for him and he can just reach in. Um, so that's something I've really found works well for our family is a tall raised bed. Amazing. Okay. So you said you're zone eight. How do you find out what zone you're in? Um, you can look it up online. There's like a really, really active kind of support network for gardening. Um, every area is going to have, um, an extension service from the state college or the state university associated with that area. And they're gonna have a lot of master gardeners that can answer questions or tell you information about that. There's so many gardening books, gardening groups. A quick Google search though, will show you the map of like, it'll be like the United States and it'll show like the bands of color for which zones gardening times there are for different plants. Um, and that's just like a really rough Kind of idea of what to plant when and what will do well in your area. Okay, I just want to have a private course with you. <laughs> you have things. What would you say the commitment of this looks like? It's probably such a variety because it depends what you're doing and how much you're doing, but kind of what's the commitment? And then if you're a family that travels a lot in the summer, do you have any tips for that if you still want to keep it going? Yeah, absolutely. So the nice thing is that you can garden on a super small scale where it's like you cut off the top of green onions from the grocery store and put them in water in your kitchen window and you're growing more green onions, right? Which you can set and forget. Or what typically happens with families is you start and every year you kind of build onto it a little bit farther. We started with containers, then we put in our first raised bed. Now we have four raised beds and like a in ground garden for squashes and things like that. Um, so there, there's kind of a scalable effect of gardening. And then when you go out of town or you're a family that travels a lot, you can A, plan around the weather. So if it's like gonna be a rainy weekend at home, maybe you wanna go east over the mountains to where it's gonna be drier and know that you don't have to water your garden while you're gone. Um, so that helps having a good irrigation system. You can usually set up a garden to be able to go three, four days at minimum without any care, or then even a week or two, maybe you have a neighbor water for once or twice while you're gone. It really kind of depends too on where you live. Here in Western Washington, it's likely to rain in that time period. And so you'll get to be able to go somewhere versus if you live in Arizona and are trying to do a little bit of a garden in the summer, it's going to look a little bit different. Maybe you're going to need an in-garden irrigation system going. Yeah, I find in our area too, it's like we have so much wildlife and deer and that um, even at our old farmhouse, we had these gophers that were just, there was like hundreds of gophers in the yard and they would just, they came and took everything. I think we still had potatoes and some squash. I don't think they liked those, but the peas and everything else, they just came and consumed all the items. <laughs> We definitely, we definitely have wildlife where we live. Um, we have chickens and we actually have a farm dog who chases off coyotes really regularly. Um, and we have mole problems really bad, which is another reason why the really high raised beds are working out really nicely for us. They're high enough that bunnies don't eat our veggies that are planted in them. Um, and that our chickens don't jump in and eat our own produce. Um, we have lost a lot to our own chickens when we free range them. Um, so you could do a small fence or our dog helps keep them away or raise beds with something um, like hardware mesh along the bottom of it before you fill it with soil. That will help a lot too, that you can't have things burrow up underneath like your gophers, like your moles, whatever. Okay, and have you ever actually legit thought about making a guide for people? <laughs> you know, I feel like there is a lack on the market of this idea of gardening with kids, like from that lens. 
Um, there's so much out on the market for gardening in general, but not a lot of like how to scale it for children. Um, and so I sometimes I think about that, that I'm like, oh, it'd be really nice to like compile all this experience of not just myself, but other people I know that successfully garden with kids of what works and what's hard and how you can face it and the benefits of it with kids. I do think it would be great to have that all compiled in one place. Please do that. This is your sign. <laughs> so why is it important that your kids see you gardening? Because you can't always get them to garden. <laughs> um, so part of it is just that I want my family to be raised in a culture of gardening, in a culture of knowing where our food comes from and working hard and seeing the benefits of that hard work. Um, and sometimes for kids, they're not always going to participate, but you modeling it is making an impact on them. Um, it's like me saying, I remember growing up with my mom having Cosmos in the garden. I may not have a lot of specific memories of me gardening with her, but like, I remember the feeling of having a mother who gardened and now as a mother, that's important to me. Um, so I think the impacts go beyond just them doing the gardening, um, that having a family that that's important to them, that definitely sits in with kids as well. That is so beautiful. I agree. I like what you say about the culture. There's this post that you shared about the amazing benefits of gardening with kids. And I want to just kind of read that list right now. So everyone hears all of them. Promotes healthy eating, encourages motor skills, reduces stress, teaches patience, resilience, and responsibility, improves mood, educates about natural world and biological process, strengthens family connection, and nurtures self-confidence. I also want to add that it gets you outside and gets you grounding, if that one wasn't obvious. <laughs> totally. That's a huge reason. Even if there are days where he does not want to go outside, we'll get outside for 10 minutes just yes. to do the Absolutely. So that's quite the list. So if people aren't convinced to garden after that, I don't know what does it. <laughs> but is there anything from that list that you've specifically seen come to fruition in your oldest son? Uh, yes, the idea of resilience is a big one. Um, I have a child that's one of those children that has that kind of perfectionist in him that he sometimes doesn't want to try things if he doesn't think he's going to be good at it, um, that he wants to know he's going to automatically be successful. And so having something that maybe is challenging, but really low stress has been a really good way for him to have that idea of, well, we're going to try it again a different way, or we're going to keep going, or we're going to do it even though we know it's probably not going to work. And that that has value. Um, and I've, think that's been an important piece for him that not everything is going to come naturally and perfectly and it's still worth doing. Is there any other kind of make it easier for kids tips you could share today? I feel like of course I like put these together in my mind and then now I can't remember all of them. I even like made a post about it in one of my um, nature preschool groups and I was like oh I'm gonna save this for for the for this but um, it's oh okay I remember a couple. So some things that you can do for seeding, at least you can have a measuring tape out. And this is like a great piece for older kids where you're involving some measuring, some math skills where you can say at every single large number, poke a hole and put in a seed, right? So there's a visual marker of where you're putting seeds. I like to, um, when they're really little, kind of redo the rows where I'll like drag a finger. So there's an obvious line where I want them to put them. Um, I like to have them help mark popsicle sticks to be able to mark what you've planted where. That's a really easy kid-friendly thing to do. Um, 
Harvesting is a fun one that you can do if you give them um, a little pair of scissors that they can trim. Don't let them go wild on that because they will just cut plants. Um, but just little tools. And honestly, having kids practice using small tools is a great fine motor skill building experience. Um, so those are helpful. Mostly there's a lot of like watering and like teaching them how to properly weed of like, this is a weed, this isn't a weed and how we pull them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I might need to circle back around to that question. Those are also <laughs> great. If you think of anything else, feel free to jump in with it, but I am going to be making show notes for this and I'm going to be taking all of these tips to use this summer. <laughs> so you explained some challenges that kids could have with gardening. Is there any challenges that you've had to overcome in your gardening journey? Yeah. Um, I think some, some years it feels like Sometimes with gardening, it feels like your effort doesn't directly correlate to the reward you get from that effort. Um, but some years we'll choose to have a year where we're like, we're going to go like throw everything at the wall and we're going to really go into a garden this year and we'll put a lot of time and effort into it and maybe get like middling results. And then there will be some years where I just kind of like throw out pumpkin seeds and I get these like massive, giant, beautiful pumpkins. And you're like, I didn't even work for this. And it's so much better than the years I worked really hard at. And sometimes you work really hard and you get really great results. And that's great. But the years that that doesn't happen can be really frustrating. Um, and then I also think as parents, when gardening with kids, it is hard to release control sometimes. Knowing that if I were to put things out in a garden, it would take less time and it'd be more perfect. And when I do it with my kids, maybe that's not going to look the same way. And that can be a frustrating experience, but also a really important growth experience as a parent of releasing some of that perfectionism that, you know, I wonder where my son got it. <laughs> and, and knowing that things aren't going to be perfect when your children help, but it's so valuable still for them to do that help. Releasing expectations is a huge thing in the kids who explore group for sure. It's, it's like going out on outdoor adventures and all the things. So we completely relate when you're saying to release expectations when it comes to gardening with kids. Um, so then I wanted to ask you about your composting. So that's something we've been doing here in our household is trying to get our composting bin going and teaching our son about composting. But I know you use like high quality compost. So where does your compost come from? Um, yeah, we have a really robust compost system. Um, we have horses on our farm and chickens. So we have like a lot of compost like constantly coming in. So we have a big compost pile that we use for manure that gets turned by our chickens. It's this really kind of holistic, sustainable idea. We also, though, do have like a compost tumbler that we use our like food scraps and, and things like that in. Um, and then sometimes we do just haul it in in the back of our truck from a compost company um, because it's easy to move around that way. We know it's weed free, um, things like that. So there's, again, no right way to compost either. Um, and we on our farm have like three or four different ways that compost is always happening um, and that we do it in, you know, a variety of ways for a variety of applications. Um, my son loves compost. He loves like digging for worms and helping throw things in the compost. I don't know. That's a fun aspect for him. I find the digging is a huge thing with the kids. <laughs> for sure. They just want to get in there and get dirty. Mm -hmm. And giving them an okay, a yes spot right? Like, oh, I don't want you like digging in the garden bed that we just planted. Dig in the compost, like go for it. That's actually beneficial. You're helping turn the compost. Yes. 
Along those lines, is there any ways in your garden you try to be extra kind to the planet? I mean, gardening in, in general probably does that, but is there anything you wanted to mention? Um, I mean, I think one of the things that you can do is really gardening by season and with the right plants. Um, where we're super passionate about native plants on our farm, we've actually, um, a lot of it, we've tried to kind of rewild and we've planted a lot of native plants um, as opposed to ornamentals or other things that actually would be better producers because they don't need to be watered. They don't need different fertilization. They're already designed to live here, right? So we don't have to add a lot of artificial fertilizer. We don't have to overwater things because they belong here already. Um, it's the difference between like, you know, in the desert and having a zero scaped lawn versus having grass, right? The grass doesn't actually belong there. Um, so you can be a more sustainable gardener by gardening what works for your environment. So you don't have to add in more effort, more compost, more products, more whatever. Yeah, that is huge. Thanks for saying that. I have a question for my own gardening knowledge. It looks like your beds <laughs> are made of stainless steel. Is that right? Um, yes. So we, the way that my husband built our beds, he's very handy. Um, they have pressure treated wood on the outside, but are completely lined with stainless steel. Pressure treated wood is not a great um, medium to grow plants in because it is chemically treated. So you don't want to have your actual beds built out of the pressure treated wood where your soil is, where your plants are growing. But it is the reason you have pressure treated wood is because it can sit out in the rain all year round and hold up better. So the actual frame of the of the beds is made of the pressure treated wood, but it's lined completely with stainless steel um, so that the pressure treated wood is only on the outside of the bed. Okay, okay. So this this is what my question was then about this. That makes sense that it has to be wood. But I was kind of confused because I moved into a house that already had garden beds made of wood, but then it was lined with like garbage bag kind of material. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering, I was assuming that was so that the water then didn't just seep through straight through the wood. Um, I, I can't, I can't know without knowing what kind of wood it is, but you can also totally have garden beds made out of untreated wood. Um, my strawberry beds are made out of cedar. It's not lined. There's no stainless steel. Cedar is a natural um, kind of rot resistant wood that's, you know, designed for the Pacific Northwest. Um, and Wood does a great job of retaining moisture, but still allowing moisture to breathe out. Um, you do need drainage in a garden. So I would assume that your kind of sounds like polystyrene um, lined beds still have some drainage in the bottom, holes in the plastic or something. Um, I'm not quite sure why they do that unless it was a type of wood on the outside that you didn't want exposed to your soil. Okay. And then my question was, did you have a suggestion? Because I can't have your beautiful garden beds unless your husband wants to fly to Canada. And build one. Uh, what I could use on the inside instead of the garbage bag material, because I kind of feel bad for the environment that I'm just using that. Yeah. Well, what I will say too, is the best way to be sustainable is to use what you already have. That plastic already exists, right? So if that's what's in your garden and it's working, roll with it. Um, it's that you wouldn't want to replace it with something else that isn't going to be environmentally sustainable. Um, so you could like line it in with the stainless steel sheeting from like Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever, um, is pretty inexpensive and pretty easy to work with. You just need like a pair of tin snips to be able to cut it. You could line that on the inside, depending on what your 
beds are made out of, you may not even need a liner. You may be just able to pull it out. I'm not quite sure why it would be in there. You'd have to figure out that function, but you may not need it. I'm excited for your garden this, this summer, Lauren, we're going to have to come <laughs> harvest over there. <laughs> Expectations are high now. What is your, what is your main thing you're growing in your garden, Lauren? Well, green beans was what it was last year. So oh. that was like, boom, look at me. I can grow, grow green beans. Amazing. Are you adding something new this year to your garden or green well, beans? again? Well, this is what I'm hoping to find out. So I guess I'll kind of jump into my next question here because so you had said snap peas, carrots, cherry tomatoes, and strawberries are the place to start. And I was wondering how simple this can be. Like, can I go buy the already kind of growing tomatoes and just <laughs> pop those in there? Yes, totally. And certain plants are much better to do as starts um, than as seed. I do not grow tomatoes from seed. I can't do it. I don't want to. I will get them from our local nursery already, you know, six inches high. Um, so strawberries are also one you don't want to grow from seed. That's really difficult. Hi, buddy. Um, so yeah, strawberries you'd want to get as starts as well. Strawberries you can grow in hanging pots off your deck really easily. Um, they're great for containers. Um, yeah, I often will have years where I'll start seeds and it won't work. And so then a couple of weeks later, I'll buy starts and put them in. That counts as gardening too. Oh, that's a good idea to have starter ones for sure. Maybe I need to do that here. I like the idea of it hanging off the deck as well, because then nothing can get up there and get it, I guess, unless there's <laughs> some kind of wildlife that can scale up the side of the <laughs> Starts are not as affordable, but when you're doing them on a small scale, like a pack of seeds has a hundred seeds in it and it costs a dollar, but you know, three strawberry plants cost you six bucks. That's still worth it if you're more successful because you got them already going. Yes. Yeah. Very good point. Is there anything you want to share about selling food from your farm? I personally know your eggs are incredible. <laughs> yes. Um, I have a good system in place for selling eggs. They go like hotcakes. My girls don't actually lay enough eggs. And on the weeks that I like make quiche or something, I'm like, sorry, nobody else gets any eggs this week. Um, I haven't done much as far as selling produce that I've, oh, wait, you know what? <laughs> Two years ago, we had a bumper crop from our plum tree. Um, and I had my son like weigh and bag up little five pound bags of plums and sell them on a little roadside stand. So I actually have sold some of our produce before. Often if I have extra though, I, I like to can preserve, dry, dehydrate things. So we consume pretty much everything that we grow um, or I'm happy to give it away to friends if I have a little bit extra. But yeah, occasionally I do, I do sell things. I think as you scale up, um, I know a lot of kind of the first wave of having a commercial farm would be like a farmer's market stand or something like that. But I do have a little kind of cooler that I keep at the end of my driveway. And is there anything else that you want to share about gardening today to our audience? I guess just like my main takeaway point would be that gardening can seem intimidating, but it's just one of those things that you just got to start. You just start somewhere, start small. It's really easy. And if you fail, you fail but you probably won't like you'll probably be at least a little bit successful especially if you kind of take some of those shortcuts like buying starts at the nursery or um, doing seeds inside where you can really keep an eye on them or taking whatever you bought at the grocery and using those to start new plants so you can do that with green onions you can do that with avocados you can do that with lettuce all sorts of things um, so I would just say like choose something and jump in 
um, the water's fine, like just get started. Great advice. This has been so fun, even with the magical chaos of the six children. <laughs> Where can people find you to follow along? Uh, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is Seattle Stories, S-T-O-R-Y-S. That's our last name. Um, and I post gardening content when the season is right. I post outside stuff, farm stuff. You'll see eggs, chickens, horses, kids in pajamas, barefoot in manure piles. You'll see it all. You've inspired me to try some more gardening this year for sure. So we're going to end our show with the final three questions. You want me to take the Matri? I think Lauren will be asking. <laughs> I think I didn't do that. <laughs> so in the last few months, what was your best purchase under $100? Uh, so I bought a wagon, like a little kid's wagon, um, not a fancy one. It doesn't have seats, doesn't have a cover, nothing like that. Um, but it's just like a flat cargo wagon. Um, I can sit my two or three month old at the time um, flat in it for naps. He'll take like a yard nap in the orchard, but also I can like haul around him and garden gear and all those things um, kind of better than a stroller, um, which has limited capacity for stuff. Um, yeah, it's been nice. I feel like he's this little like Norwegian baby that'll like take these outside naps just flat in a wagon. It's awesome. Like a little portable bassinet. That's the best. Yes, exactly. But it has big, like big garden wheels. Yes. Okay. Amazing. Can you share a book, show, or podcast recommendation right now? Yeah. I mean, tis the season, but I've had this book checked out the, at the library forever. It's called Nature Play at Home. Um, I'm not huge into nonfiction, but I've been trying to kind of lean that direction and educate myself on some things. Um, it's a cool book, though, about how to make your own yard like more of a play space for kind of free ranging children. It has a section in it on gardening for kids, but also just like having logs and stumps and sensory areas and it also has a lot of content about like why you'd want to do that, the benefits of risky play, about being barefoot, um, experiences like that. It's It's been really cool as we kind of ramp up our yard work for the year to have that lens when we're creating new spaces in our yard. Okay, awesome. I'm all about nonfiction. <laughs> so that's that will be my next purchase. <laughs> if there was no time or money limit, where would you travel or explore? Um, this one, like when I thought about this question, I feel like my answer is a little dumb because it's somewhere I've already been. And I feel like you should always have this idea of like, when you have a list of where you want to travel, it's to all these new places. Um, but we, we did a month in Spain when my older son was 10 months old and it was amazing. We loved it. We trekked through the Pyrenees with him. We took trains everywhere. Um, you know, there's a great public transport system everywhere in Spain. I had a kid who didn't like being in the car. So it was really nice to be able to like have him take a nap on the metro in a carrier. Like it was great. And it's super, super kid friendly. Lots to see and do. The food is amazing. It's not as touristy and busy as some other places in Europe. Um, and now that I have a second kid, I want to go back and do it again, even though I've already been there once. Um, but yeah, we loved Spain. I would totally go back and spend even more time. Well, that's what I was going to say. Now that you did it with your first, are you like, okay, well, we have to do it with our second. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, I'd love to. And I also, we went with the baby and we would be going with a baby again, but I'd love to go with a six-year-old now and see how different that is and have him actually remember some of it and 
we would play on the beaches in Spain with our little baby sitting in the waves. But like, I want to see my six-year-old do that now. He loves beaches. He would love that. Oh, okay. Let's do it. <laughs> Everyone, we'll do a Spain trip. All, All of us. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much for being on today. And I'll be asking you all the gardening questions this summer when I'm trial and erring a lot. <laughs> I will try and answer them. I don't know everything myself, but that's the beauty of gardening. Thanks for adventuring with us. Please subscribe and share your love by reviewing our podcast with five stars and follow us over at Kids Who Explore on Instagram and all other social media platforms. This podcast is produced by KP Media Productions.